you have your Bibles, grab those. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians 14. Um, we'll start in verse 1 uh, here in a few minutes. But um, I thought Jimmy did a uh, great job uh, last week just unpacking 1 Corinthians 13. I give him a <laughs> mammoth of a, uh, I guess, task there. And he, he did a, a great, great job there just showing how the driving force behind uh, gifts are is love. Love is the driving force behind us living out and practicing our spiritual gifts. Um, and if you're like me, I know like 1 Corinthians is usually the love chapter, and so uh, you're going to hear that at a wedding. Um, and, um, and I don't think that's bad there, um, as we can pull from those truths. Uh, but man, when you see it in context and understand what's happening uh, here at the church in Corinth, um, it just brings it to life uh, all the more. And so... Um, for us as believers, everything we do, everything we do, practicing our spiritual gifts, living out our life should be fueled by for our love for Christ and each other. And that's what Paul's trying to get the church here at Corinth to see. And so if you missed, if you missed last week, uh, man, I, I would encourage you to go back and check that out. Give it a listen to uh, on our YouTube page, Facebook page, through the app, uh, many different ways there. So I'm going to ask you if you join me as we pray and then we'll kind of uh, continue to go. Father, we love you. Jesus, again, thank you so much. You have been so faithful and so good. And Father, I just, I just, my heart cry, my hope is that you receive honor and glory. Father, the things that we've celebrated thus far to this point in our service just points back to how great and loving, kind, gracious, and sovereign you truly are. Father, from calling our dear brother away to uh, seeing the dead come to life, Father, we, we just we want to glory in you this morning, and we want to be changed into the image of your Son. So, Father, do a work in the heart of your people through your word. Oh, Holy Spirit, you have freedom to move in this place this morning and accomplish whatever it is that you see fit. Lord, Lord use this time in your word as a tool, as an opportunity, as a way of shaping us and molding us and helping us fall even more in love with the Son. Jesus, we need you. We love you. And we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so right out of the gate, just want to be right up front with you. Just want to let you know that today we're not going to cover tongues. Um, so you breathe easy. Um, that's next week. That's next week. Come back next week. We will dive into that and all the glory uh, that's going to come with that. So next week, just letting you know. But, but this morning, this is what we're going to do. My, my hope is this, is I want to define what prophecy is define what it's not, and then what we'll do is we will close there at the end with those who have that gift of prophecy uh, and talk about it there, that challenge, kind of what that means, what that looks like, and challenge, challenge us uh, to use it in a way that's going to be edifying and uplifting for the church. So that's, that's my hope, that's my, that's my plan, that's where I feel like God's going to uh, lead us uh, this morning. So if you're all geeked up about tongues, ready to like just dive into that, uh, you're going to have to push pause for one more week, come back next week, um, that gives me another week to kind of uh, anyways, um, so all that's coming as we unpack what the Apostle Paul was talking about uh, as it pertains to the gift of tongues, but that's next week. And so um, when, when talking about spiritual gifts, when, when looking at that, talking about that, especially uh, certain gifts, and the gift of prophecy is one of those gifts, um, there are people in, in certain camps uh, and have different thoughts uh, that, that believe that certain gifts are available and not available uh, those things. And one of the, the, I guess, the pressing things with what gifts are available, not available, one of the things that they believe uh, is, is kind of a question is going to be the sufficiency of Scripture. The sufficiency of Scripture. So, so I just want to let you know up front that we at New Life believe uh, that the gift of prophecy is still practiced. And we also believe in the sufficiency of the Scriptures. We believe that the 
Scriptures are enough. This, this is what we believe. We believe that the Bible is all we need to equip us for a life of faith and service. That is sufficient. There's nothing else needed. It provides a clear demonstration of, of God's intention to restore the broken, to, 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 to draw humanity back to himself through the Son, through Jesus as Lord and Savior, as a gift of faith. That's what we believe. And that there are no other writings necessary for the good news to be understood, nor are there any other writings required to equip us for a life of faith. The Bible is sufficient. The Bible is enough. We don't need any more. Nothing trumps the Bible in the matters of life. Absolutely nothing. The Scriptures are enough. The Word of God is what informs us and shapes us. It directs us how to understand God rightly as well as to interact with the world correctly. That's it. This is a hill that we are willing to die on as a people. This is a hill that we will, we will take up camp and we will fight to the death. So, so hear me, for, for me as your pastor, as long as God allows me to serve in that role, I, I will fight with everything in me, everything in me to point us to the reality of the scriptures of who God is and what God has said, no matter what issue it has to pertain to. I, I, I will do this not shying away from the truth, no matter how unpopular or how difficult it may be. So, so let, me, let me just kind of give you an example for, um, for it real fast. Uh, so my wife and I uh, went out of town uh, last week, kind of a long weekend, uh, as we celebrated 15 years. Yeah, for her, that is, yes. She has stuck in there with me for 15. Um, so, um, and she brought me back with her, so that's, that's good news for me and y'all, um, mainly me. Uh, so, so we get back into town, as we're back into town, we come back in Tuesday, we're just kind of hanging out. I'm here um, uh, Wednesday doing some things, kind of getting some studying done and things like that, catching up. And as I'm here, uh, catch wind of a conversation. Uh, and, 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 and I like to kind of insert myself sometimes in fun things. And so this was one of those kind of fun things. And so, uh, maybe. So the conversation kind of went like this. Um, uh, yeah, uh, there's this thing kind of going around, going on now in, in some of the schools, um, and it's, it's how kids identify, Okay, so it's like my ears are peaked. Like I'm, I'm, I'm in. Like I'm. Let's 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 do this. And so uh, one of, one of the the things that they said is like, yeah, they they identify as furries. And I'm like, do what? See, I thought they said Furbies, and I thought of like the '90s toy. Like you know, what I'm saying like the late '90s, the little thing with the wings and the beak, and it could learn 24 different languages. And I'm like, I've got. We had two of those as kids. Yes. Oh, they ad- no, 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 Scott, furries. I said, what the heck is a furry? It's where they identify as like different animals, so like, like a cat. And, and like they, they will identify as, as a furry, and so they'll, they'll, they'll purr, they'll wear collars, um, they, they won't meow, they, they will eat their food from a bowl off the floor. And I'm like, y'all messing with me. Like I thought they were just like pulling my chain a little bit. Like I thought they were just, y'all kidding me. Around here, like, yeah, around here. I said, no way. Middle school kids doing this. Yes, they're, they're doing this. Like, we're telling you the truth. And so, so I just, uh, so just want to lovingly ad- address that this morning and, and, in a loving, gracious way um, and, and let you know that, that we don't believe that here. Like, like whenever you're given the list of, of how you identify, that, that option is not even given. And the reality is this, you and I don't get to pick what we identify as. That's not how it works. There's only two options that's given, male 
or female. And, and even, even with that, like, like I, I, I struggle with this whole ridiculous race junk. Because I'm going to tell you right now, there, there's only one race, and it's the human race. That's it. One race. Human race. We, we, we come from, uh, from our father Adam is, is where we were derived from, where we came from. And, and, and I mean, there's different pigmentation in our skin, but we, we all have that, which that's what makes up the different, different colors. I mean, I'm just pasty white. That's just what I am. I'm, I fry, I peel, and then I fry again. That, I, I hate that about me. But that's what I've got. That's, that's what I get. And so, but I've got pigmentation like everybody else has pigmentation. And God has graciously given some uh, more to others and less to others. And, and it just shows the goodness and faithfulness of God. It's the goodness and faithfulness of God. And, and I want to say this too. Regardless of the amount of pigmentation you have or don't have, that does not make you uppermost in him, period. Ever. That's the hill I'm willing to die on too. It, regardless of how much you have or you don't have, does not dictate whether or not you are something. What dictates that is whether or not you're found in Christ, period. And so as I looked at this, as I thought about this whole like furry thing, I mean, God's already instructed us on the matter. So when I say that the scriptures are sufficient, that's, that's what I'm talking about. If he's the author of all things, if he's the creator of all things, then what he has said is sufficient and enough regardless of what we like or what we think. So let me just go back to what I believe, what we believe as a church, as a people. Genesis 1.27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. There, there it is. That's it. Male, female. That's... One or the other. That, that's how we identify, male or female. And then he goes on in verse 20 and says this, And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. That's the only two options we have. No furries, no other animals, no whatever else that we want to try to maybe identify as. And, and hear me, it's going to continue to get crazier and crazier and crazier. It's, we live in a fallen, broken world, and so as a result of that, uh, that's what happens. And hear me, we as Christians, you just need to prepare yourself, prepare your heart for this, because we're going to be accused of some things. We're going to be accused of being closed-minded, outdated, hateful. We're going to be accused of being old school and a ton of other false things. But, but, but we never have to cave into conviction and the Word of God. Never do we have to cave on that. Because the Bible says there's a way that seems right to man. And what does that lead to? Death. A way that seems right to man that leads to death. And so if we look at our world today, it doesn't take much to see that something's went horrifically wrong, does it not? Something has went horrifically wrong. So all I know is this, is that I'm not going to put stock in us or our feelings. Because do those things not change just on a moment? Are they not just all over the place in just a second, in a moment's notice? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to push all my stock and all my faith and all my trust in on what God has said, what, what it pertains to what he's, he has created and made things to be. And so what that tells me in God's word is that it's sufficient, it's enough. It's sufficient and it's enough. And so I wanted to open up this way. I wanted to, to talk about this this morning, kind of point us this way, because I believe it's going to help us as we start to walk through what, what God has for us this morning here, especially as it pertains to prophecy, especially as we look at what prophecy is. And I believe we'll see right here, right out of the gate, Corinthians 14.1, 1 Corinthians 14.1. Uh, let, let's read it. This is what it says. It says, pursue love. So as we stand on truth, as we proclaim truth, we do it how in a loving, gracious way. In, in a loving, caring way. 
That's what Paul is telling the church there at Corinth to do. Why? Because they're not doing that. They're not living that way. They're not, they're not being loving and caring and gracious. And so this is a command for every believer everywhere, not just the church at Corinth, but even us here today. And so what we know from context in this story, in this day, in this church, is that uh, there's some issues there. They're having issues with with loving each other like Christ would call them to love each other, for caring for each other like Christ would uh, call them to care for one another. And so as a result of that, what's happened is they're showing favoritism to certain gifts. They're showing favoritism to to certain things, and they're starting to kind of blend the old way of life and paganism and and, and kind of this this new way of life in Christ, and they're uh, they're, they're getting everything just kind of uh, uh, mixed up. And so Paul gives them this command to pursue love, to go after love, to walk in love. And so it's given to the church at Corinth, but I believe it's a, it's a command that's given for us today, as we see that echoed all throughout the Scriptures, do we not? And the reality of this church is, is that love is something that should mark us as followers of Jesus. Like, we should be the most loving people on the planet and I even feel goofy because I feel like every time I say, church, let's just love. It's not about butterflies and, oh, feelings and let people do whatever they want to do. That's not love. That's not love. Sometimes love is doing the difficult things, sharing hard truth, but being committed enough to those people to walk with them through it. So they may say all kinds of things about us as the days grow old and as the craziness continues to, uh, to, to rise to the top, but, but, but the one thing that they better never say about us is that we weren't loving. They better never be able to say to us that we were not loving and gracious and caring. So he says, pursue love. And then he goes on, and when he says this, he says, and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. So in this context here, earnestly desiring the gifts, it brings about with it a heart of of collectively and faithfully using them for the glory of God and for the building up of his church. For his glory, his honor, and for the building up of the church. And so, so we need to be a people that desire, that pray for, and exercise spiritual gifts. That's what Paul says. He earnestly desires spiritual gifts. The reality is this is at conversion, we're all given a gift or gifts. And so we need to desire those. And so I don't know about you, but for me, like, like, like I'm praying constantly. God, let me have this gift. God, help me with this one. God, give me this one. I mean, I know how you've wired me. I know the gifts that you have given me, and, and that's, that's great. But, but what about this? And so sometimes I'll pray for it. Sometimes I'll, I'll kind of try to walk out in that, and it's just it, this is what God's gifted me. This is what he's put in me. And the thing I love about spiritual gifts is, is this, is it reminds us that we've been invited into play. It reminds us that, that he wants us as, as part of the team to participate as part of the team, uh, to give our life away, to give our service away, to to use our gifts for the building up of the body, which we'll see here shortly. It would be like like this. It would be like um, you you make the team, and as you make the team, uh, your position is, let's say, center. So a basketball team has five players. You You have a point guard, you have a shooting guard, you have a small forward, you have a power forward, and you have a center. And let's just say that, that, that you make the center position. Let's say that you're seven foot two, but, but you know what? You, you don't want to play center this year. You, you want to be a different position. So you decide you're going to set out to play the position that you want to play, even though you're gifted, even though you, you, you have, have this position. And so the coach is like, okay, we'll just play with four players this year. What's that going to do to the team? There's no way the team will be able to compete. There's no way the team will be able to make it. Five on four. Uh, that's not good odds for the team with four. Uh, Five on four usually does not end well with the team of four coming out victorious. 
Especially if you're seven foot two and you want to be outside shooting threes the whole time. Like, dude, get, get, your, get your rear end down low and just put your hands up. Just stand there with your hands up in the middle and just do that. We don't care if you shoot and score. Just, stand, just be a presence in the middle. When the ball comes, you grab it. Throw it to somebody else. Play your position. You've been gifted. You, you've been made and created this way. And so as I read this, as I look at this, as, as this, this heart behind earnestly designing spiritual gifts, and you need to know that, that, that you're a part. You've been gifted a gift or gifts to be a part and to play a role in the building up of the church, in having the church accomplish all that God would have for her. So we need to be a people that desire, pray for, exercise spiritual gifts. And the reality is this, is that we should know our gifts. We should know what those gifts are, especially if we've been saved any length of time, because God gives every believer everywhere a gift or gifts. And so then the Apostle Paul is going to go here in verse 1 and kind of close out verse 1. So he says, desire love. I mean, he says, uh, pursue love and then earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Especially that you may prophesy. Uh, so the, Paul, Paul, the Apostle Paul is encouraging the church there at Corinth, love, pursue love, desire gifts, and maybe praying and seeking and asking God for this gift, the gift of prophecy. And now what I want to do is I want to jump down to verse 5 real quick, and let's look at it, and then we'll start to kind of unpack some things. Verse 5 says this, Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but, but even more to, to prophesy. See, the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. So that the church may be built up. And so I just want to remind us here that, that spiritual gifts are for the building up and encouraging of the church. That's what they are, the gift of prophecy. Any of the gifts that have been laid out is for the building up of the church. So, so what the gift of prophecy isn't today? What prophecy isn't today? Prophecy today isn't this Holy Spirit-inspired, authoritative, infallible, Scripture-equivalent revelation. Don't think Old Testament prophecy. Don't go that way when you think of prophecy, to go, to go Old Testament type of prophecy. The Holy Spirit-inspired, authoritative, infallible, Scripture-equivalent revelation where God pressed on the heart of man by way of the Holy Spirit to, to speak out His truth in that moment. See, prophecy that Paul's talking about here is not like Isaiah or Jeremiah, what they gave. The days of, thus says the Lord, are over. That's not what the Apostle Paul's talking about. See, church, there's nothing else left for him to say. There's no new revelation coming. It's not like God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit are up in heaven having a holy huddle and they're like, dang y'all, or dang me. There are three but one, but anyways. Dang me, I forgot 2022 is going to be here. Let's give them something new. No, 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 we have everything that we need contained in the scriptures. Everything for every situation, every circumstance, every walk of life is there. Nothing new is coming down the pipe. Nothing new. He has said and done all that he needs to say and do and has revealed it to us in the scriptures. The canon is closed. The 66 books of the Bible that we have are closed and there's no need for more to be added. And so if you have the gift of prophecy, you will never prophesy in a way that is even close to the inerrant, infallible word of God. Never. The best you've got is a 
think the Lord would have me to lay this before you. And even in that, it's for building up. It's for encouraging. That's what it is. So, so let, me, let me try to give you an example here. God will never give you a prophetic word for your hard-hearted brother or sister that God will destroy them and send them to hell if they get their heart right and repent. God ain't going to do that. So it's not like you're going to be like there one night and be like, oh, bro, let me, I need to talk to you real fast. Had a dream last night. And in this dream, as I'm, I'm dreaming, uh, there was this big old fire. And you were in a car going uh, a million miles an hour toward that fire. And you're getting close. And as you're getting close, oh, all I know is this, is that you hit the eject button and you bail out. And as you bail out, then you run to everybody that you know. And you're just on your, your knees and on your face begging for forgiveness and telling everyone that you've ever uh, been two-faced and, and, and bad to that you're so, so sorry. Don't know what the dream means, man. Just want to lay it before you. See ya. God's not going to do that. That's not how prophecy works. Why? Because it's driven by love. Not selfish intentions. Not selfish intentions, but, but love. Don't, don't forget what we just read, right? 1 Corinthians 14, 1 says, pursue love. Pursue love. And so if you've got a brother or sister or a family member or whoever, co-worker, whoever, that, that's lost and don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, then you should be brokenhearted over them. You should be praying for them. Yes, we have the opportunity to evangelize and tell them the truth from Scripture about, about what happens in eternity and, 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 and where they're headed, but we do it in a way of love, and we do it in a way of commitment and walking out with them and caring for them and, and sharing and showing and modeling all facets of life. When we nail up for the Lord and when we blow up for the Lord, we, we live those out and we show and we pursue in love. So the thus says the Lord... In the way that would be viewed as inerrant or infallible, it's finished. It's finished. But I don't believe that that's what the Apostle Paul is talking about here in prophecy. Look with me one more time at 1 Corinthians 14, 5. He says this. He says, now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. See, the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues. See, what was happening in this day is that certain gifts were being elevated to kind of an elitist status. Certain gifts were, were, were making you kind of like part of the elitist of God, kind of uh, like, like you're more special or you're more valuable or you were more wanted or you kind of would carry some clout and weight with whatever gift you had and, and certain gifts were more important than other gifts. And, and, and that's what it kind of into them. That's what was kind of happening there in this context in this day. And we, we've already read and debunked that is what the Apostle Paul says. No, no, there's, there's none more important than the other. Every gift that ne is needed. So, so if, if, if you're a sinner seven foot two, you need to play the sinner role because that position's needed. If you're a guard, then be a guard. If Whatever it is, and, and the Apostle Paul gives that picture of the hand and the foot and, and gives them that illustration. So no gift is more important than another. So he says the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. See, that's, that's what this text is teaching. That there are times when God, by way of the Holy Spirit, will use men and women and the truth of the word. And what he will do is he will personalize it in a way as to speak to somebody's heart. And so the prophecy that Paul is speaking of here is revelatory and spirit-prompted, but it does not mean it's necessarily authoritative, infallible, or even canon-threatening. Let me do this. Let me define it. Let me define what prophecy is. Prophecy as it pertains to what Paul is saying is this, is it's spirit-prompted, spontaneous, 
intelligible messages delivered to a person or community for edification or encouragement in the Lord. The message is spirit-prompted. The Holy Spirit presses upon the heart of, of, of a person. It, it can be spontaneous. Or it can be somebody you've been praying for, and you're kind of walking by, and all of a sudden God, God, God presses upon your heart to say something. It, it's, it's, in, it's an intelligible message delivered to a person, maybe one or maybe to a community. Well, for, for the edification and the encouragement of the Lord, for the building up of the body. So let, let, me, let, me, let me try to illustrate this. So about four months ago, uh, four months ago for me, um, um, someone at that timeline, I'm, I'm here, and as I'm here kind of doing things, um, it's before the after school uh, kids get here, and um, uh, there's this lady that works for the after school, just, just a godly, godly woman. Um, so as I've, I've got to kind of know and be around some of them and talk to them and just kind of hear their heart and their testimonies, and, um, and so, and so, she, so she's back there, and, and, and we're beginning to talk, and there's a couple of them, and she's like, I just, uh, Scotty, tell you something. I said, okay. She's like, I just I had a dream. And I'm like, all right. And she's like, it's, it's, it's a dream about new life. I said, oh, okay. And so like, like my interest is peaked. I'm just listening. Like, what, what, what you got? Let, let, let's, let's hear. What, what do you have? Um, and so uh, she's like, as, as I'm just, I'm praying, and as I'm praying, there, there's like this dark cloud or something that's just been over like, like this building. And I just take this building to be like the church. And so that's, that's what's kind of happening in my dream. And in, in this dream, it's like the Lord or this, this angel like just removes that. Like, like this big dark cloud, it's just removed. And she's like, I just, I'm not sure what that was, but I just, I, just felt like the, the, I just felt like the Lord would have me tell you. And I'm like, okay. Was it raining? Was it thundering? Was it? Um, that's all I have. I don't know. I just felt like God wanted me to tell you. And so we kind of begin to talk a little bit and kind of begin to have, have conversation and um. I just kind of in that moment, I just kind of feel like, like, like the Lord is kind of pressing on my heart for a second to just, and just be still and just like, like listen, like just, God, just listen for a moment. And so if, if you've been around any length of time here, October will be five years for me. October will be five years for me as your lead pastor. Um, and, and in those last four years, it's just been this, it's been a difficult season. If we're just going to be honest, it's been a difficult season that I believe that, we, that we've been in, that I've been a, been a part of, that I've, I've walked through, never had anything like this in ministry uh, before, never been in this kind of role before, and so just, uh, just, a, just a difficult season that, that I'm walking through. And I want to try to, let me, let me try to, um, I don't know, I just want to just take a poll for a second here. Um, let me ask you this, how many of you have been here whenever I first took over as lead pastor? Let me see your hands. Okay, uh, that's, a, yeah, that's a good number, awesome, okay. All right, good, you can put your hand down. Um, well, in my almost five years, I think the thing that's kind of like just, just stirred on my heart and in conversation and over time, um, in that we have probably had God call away 85 to 90% of, of who was here whenever I first started. It'll be 10 years for me in October, five in this role. And so God has called away or they've left for whatever reason, 85 to 90% is what I would say going almost in those five years. And so I don't know if you know much about me, but let me just pull back for a second. So, so my makeup, one of the spiritual gifts that God has given me that we talk about a lot, me and him, is, is I'm, I'm high compassion. Oh, y'all, if you're compassion, we'll talk after. But like, like, like what that means for me is that um, you can kick me and beat me up, and I'm still like that golden retriever is going to meet you at the door with my tail wagon. And I'm going to love you till the end. And I am going to be in it, and I'm going to, we can talk for hours about nothing, and I'm just going to listen and cry with you. 
and I'll try to press in something here and there. Um, so, so one of the gifts that God's given me is compassion. Um, another, a little bit about me, is that I'm a people pleaser. Uh, I'm a words of affirmation guy. Just ask my wife, isn't that right, baby? Who's your favorite? Um, so so wor- words of affirmation. And it's, it's like, like dumb, dumb stuff. It just creeps up. I'm like, how, how did I do there? How do you like how, Scott, you just tied your shoes. Yeah, but I feel like I nailed it this time. What do you think? Look, bunny ears, double knotted. I mean, it's, it's just it, over the dumbest stuff. Over the dumbest stuff. Words of affirmation, guy. Um, and I have this deep sense of being uh, in me of wanting to be needed, wanted to be needed, loved, and accepted, which makes for a train wreck of a person. Just ask her. She'll tell you later. Or talk to me. So, so imagine for just a moment what that does to someone, period. Period of, of, of kind of being in a transition like that with that many. But, but, but if you have that kind of makeup, that kind of makeup of high compassion, people pleaser, words of affirmation, need to be liked and accepted. So, so when she's telling me this and kind of having this conversation with me, dark clouds, okay, all right, yeah, yeah it's, it's, I've been in some, a dark season. Um, but, but as she begins to speak and as I begin to just kind of listen for a moment and begin to kind of just pray within me, I start to smile, my spirit gets it. I start to smile, and my spirit gets it, and I get a bit excited, and the conversation kind of goes somewhere. But I think what it did in that moment, whether she realized it or not, I just, in that moment, in that conversation, what I felt was love, not from her, but what I felt was love from God, what I felt was saw, and I felt valued by the Lord. I felt, like, I felt like in that moment, God was saying, hey, hang tight, brother, because I got something for you. Hang tight, because something's about to happen. Something's about to happen. One, I've got you, and I'm doing a work, and man, has he not done a work in me, but he's done a work in his church and his people. And in that conversation, she didn't break down anything in the dream. But I just felt in that conversation, God edify me, God build me up. God, do a work in me. And, and so we can call it whatever you want to call it whenever you lose people from a church, but the way that I process it, the way that I feel it, the way that it hits and sits on me is, is very, very difficult. And so in that moment, whenever she shares that story with me, I just felt as if God was saying, hey, I'm about to do something. Hang tight. Not long after that, God saves you. Not long after that, we start to get more kids in our after school. I mean, we, we, we halfway through the year, and we're picking up kids in January, February, which I think we get at Miss Baker, we're around 40-something kids. Like, y'all, starting Tuesday in this place, we're going to have over 65 kids this summer. So a little prophetic word for you. God's been telling me to tell you that we need volunteers. Anyways, you do with that what the Lord say. Um, just thought I would throw that in there. But, but we, we're, we're having kids poured into. We're having, not to mention what he's been doing in this place. And we, we just baptized one. We, we've, we've baptized a, a, a number of people this year so far. We, we've added to the body. We just had a covenant class a couple weeks ago where, we, where we're just waiting to hear back from a few. And we, uh, to, to join the family here, we've had a few uh, that's filled out the, the covenant. And we're, we're about to announce them and celebrate. I, I mean, God's working and doing. 
I mean, Easter, um, uh, I need to get a, a number check, Frank, and you back there. Easter, we were, we were pushing, what, close 370s? Three, okay, ministerially speaking, about 5,000, but, um, <laughs> dude, I need you to get prophetic with me, bro. Let's go. Um, th- I mean, 350, and I know it's not about numbers, but it is about numbers because those numbers hear the gospel. People hear the gospel. The, God works and uses, and, and he's just stirring, and there's some things right now on the horizon that, that the leadership of this church is praying about. I mean, like some crazy stuff that God could do here in the next uh, uh, months for us and in us and through us. And, we, and we just, we're just praying and we want to say, okay, God, is this you or is this something else? We just want to be in tune. So, so we're beginning to pray and kind of be uh, beginning to just see what God would do. But I'm, I'm just like, like, yo, I'm just, I'm blown away. And it was in that moment of a crazy little dream about a cloud and God and an angel and moving it. And it's just like his blessing and his work and he's doing and it was almost in that moment as if God just kind of like lifted me up and said, dude, I got you. Just hang tight. I'm, I'm, you just got to trust me. Trust me and walk with me. And so what I want to do to close is this. And, I want, and this, is, this, is, this, will be our, this will be our last little part here. 1 Corinthians again, 14.1. I want to go back and revisit it for just a moment. And, and I want to read it. So, so as the band comes back up. To close out, 1 Corinthians 14, 1 says this. It says, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. We need to pursue love. We need to desire spiritual gifts. You need to know what your spiritual gift is. You need to walk in that. You need to exercise that. You need to give that away in service to him for the building up of his body. And you need to, I even think we need to press in and we need to, to pray and ask God to give us the gift of prophecy. So, so with that being said, this, this is what I want to do. How is prophecy practiced? What does that mean? What would that look like for us? If, if you're here in this place and you have the gift of prophecy, I would encourage you this morning is this. It is pray for God to show you who it would be for you to speak into their life in a way that encourages, builds up, and consoles. Pray. Ask God to show you. God, who, who's even today in this place? God, like, who is it that, that maybe that you've put on my mind that I just can't shake, that's been on my heart? That God, that, that, that you've, you've just been stirring me with? Maybe it's even who you've set beside. Like, you know who you're setting beside isn't an accident, right? Where you sit isn't an accident. There, there aren't accidents or just all of a sudden happenstance, but it's the sovereign move of God to work and do. And I believe you even being here this morning to hear the word of God isn't an accident. And so the way that we can practice that is just to pray, God, who, who is it that you would have me just speak life into? To encourage, to care for. Maybe something they're going through that you don't even know they're going through, but God puts on your heart, say, you, need, you, just need to, you just need to tell me you love them this morning. You just need to smile at them and, and let them know that you love them and that you think that they're Whatever. And I don't, I don't know about you, but I know that we're like, like, we're like dignified Christian adults in the South, and so it becomes difficult. What happens, Scott? What happens if, if that's just me, that's just me doing it? Or, or, or what, if, what if I'm wrong? And I guess my thing is, who, who gives a rip? Who, who cares as long as we're trying to, uh, uh, to honor God in a way and encourage somebody? Who cares? I mean, like I said, this isn't that, 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 that Old Testament type of prophecy. Thus says the Lord. 
more so of just, just a, I don't know why, but God has put this on my heart. Man, I just, I just want to share this with you. I don't even know, but it's just, I just, I want to step out. And I know uh, that pastor we got is crazy and he's just kind of encouraging this stuff. And so I just want to blame it on whoever. But do it in a way that, that leaves it open for the move of God to, to happen. And dang it, if, 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 if they blame us for being encouraging and loving, then blame us. And, and if we are wrong, then what have we, what have we done? One, we, we've stepped out and tried to be obedient to God. And two, we've tried to encourage and uplift his people. So how, how wrong can we be in that? And so even if you address it as this may sound crazy, but I just believe God would have me tell you this. And you just tell him this. You never know what God will do with it. All I know is that studies are showing, man, the hurt in people's lives, the heartache and the brokenness, even within church. If we could just be honest, I know it's church and we're adults and it's difficult, but if we could just be honest with the struggle in this room this morning of the depression, of the rejection, of the struggle with sin, of, I mean, you, you name it. If we could see for a minute the way that God sees, none of us, none of us would walk back in this room. If you knew what I had done, what I had thought, what I had said, and let me encourage you, because if I knew what you had done, what you thought, what you've said, and the thing that blows my mind is that the God of the universe does and has, and he still moves toward and he still rescues and redeems and he saves and he calls to himself. And so call is crazy. But man, how God could use us just being open and willing to encourage. What if our practice in life before we did anything was just to pray, God, who can I encourage in you today? Today as I step out, today as I come to church, today as I go to my job, whatever it is, because I believe then, then not, God is pressing us to, to step out and to say something, but, but, but we, out of fear, we just kind of just sidestep it. Uh, but God, I don't know them. What, what might they think? Or God, I do know them, and I know what they might think. And so what do we, 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 just, we just sidestep it. And so I believe more often than not that God does that and presses us in that, and I believe more so than not that there's many of us in this room that has the gift of prophecy. But maybe out of fear, oppression, maybe not fully understanding, whatever it may be, you don't practice and walk out that gift. And so my prayer for us this week has just been this. As, as, as I am about to pray and say amen, and we celebrate who Jesus is and all that he's done, my prayer for us this week has been, God, would, would you so use this sermon, this time in such a way, even, even this altar call time, in a way that it would look like it has never looked like in this room before? And what I mean by that is this, is that you would so move in the heart of people in this place this morning that they would radically act different at this time. And I don't mean chaotic. Like, like, like the move of the Spirit is not chaotic and crazy and confusion. That's not, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is this, is that that person that maybe God's had on your heart for a little while, 
that's sitting in this room somewhere that you would go to. The, like altar call is like, hey, you can come down here and pray. You can, you can worship. You can sit there quietly. You can do whatever you want. Like, you don't have to just sit there or come here. Like, 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 like I want to encourage you to go to people. I want to encourage you to encourage people, to, to love on people, to, to care for people. And so that's been my prayer this week. As I've looked at this, as I've prayed about this, as I've begged God to work and do one, that he would, he would rescue and redeem, that he would save, that if you're sitting here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that he, that he would gloriously save you and that we could get you in that baptismal pool, celebrate what God has done as he performs another miracle of death to life. And then my prayer has been, and God, that you would help us get off of our blessed assurance and that you would help us to be a church that, that, that pursues love and that we encourage the body that we care for in such a way that even at this time, maybe you don't stand here and sing this first song, but you go to somebody that God's pressed upon your heart and you share with them maybe something that God's put on your heart to encourage them. So my question is, what's on your heart? Who's on your heart? Who do you need to share with today? Maybe even possibly this week. Let's pray. Father, help us to be obedient. Help us to step out, even if it makes us look silly in the moment or crazy in the moment, or even if it's something that's going to cost us to have to trust you in a little bit of a different way. So Lord, I just just pray you would help us. Help us to be the most loving, encouraging people on the planet. And so God, do a work in this place this morning. I beg of you, those watching online, God, that you would do a work in the heart of your people, your church. Help us to lift up, edify, and encourage. And we pray, amen. You stand. If you want to go to someone, if you want to sing, if you want to come pray, if you want to know more about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, you be obedient this morning in this place.